Well, Isaiah says, Ho, everyone who thirsts. And ho means, hey, or listen up. And everyone who thirsts, well, that means you. You who have been gathered here today by the Holy Spirit. For you all thirst. And now God has something very thirst-quenching for you in Christ. Isaiah says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy, and eat wine and milk completely free for you. Now, you've heard of advertising. Advertising is usually looking for people who have money to spend that money on something. But here Isaiah is saying, you who have no money, well, come and have this. Have this, you who thirst. This is now completely free for you. For you who are sitting here, Christ has come for your sake. You who thirst to take away your sin, to take away your fear that there will not be enough at the table for you. Christ comes now to make you perfect in this absence of fear and sin. You who are striving for perfection by what you do or what you don't do, Christ has accomplished this for you now, for he is abounding in steadfast love. This is what it means for him to abound in steadfast love. He comes to you to make you his own. And so the grace and peace of God our Father and his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, be yours. Amen. You know, it's not every day I can start a sermon with ho, this word from the Old Testament. It's a little bit reminiscent of uh, the PBS show, The Electric Company, from the 70s and 80s. And I mentioned this to our chapel worship service and got a bunch of blank stares. But that started with, you maybe remember, hey, you guys, do you remember this? Some do, some don't. Well, it's getting your attention, and it should, for God's word comes to you now on a platter, ready for you, ready to make you new, ready to forgive you. Now, it was a much different platter that consumed the news that Jesus was thinking about as we began our gospel reading. Jesus had just heard at the beginning of chapter 14 that John had been beheaded. John, his cousin, the Baptist, had been killed by Herod. And Jesus was troubled by this, of course, and seeking solitude, seeking to be on his own. Now, it's not usually what you think of when you think of this famous story, the feeding of the 5,000, that Jesus was actually trying to be by himself, not with a, big, a bunch of people. But this is how God often leads us into our vocations. This is how God leads you into your work. Sometimes you expect it, and sometimes it's unexpected. Sometimes the day goes a different direction than you thought it would. This is the case for Jesus in this story as well. So while Jesus was seeking to rest by himself, instead he gets a hungry crowd, expecting to be fed by every word that came from the mouth of God. And in fact, they were not there for physical food. That's not why they came. But for the nourishment that comes by the preaching of God's word, and Jesus did not deny them this. So he preached to that large crowd. Matthew says it was 5,000 men. But it maybe was much bigger than that when you count the women and the children. Perhaps some people think 10, 20,000 people, perhaps. This is a big crowd. 
And we could sit here and wonder at such a great number. In fact, we probably are. But this is just as much the work of the Holy Spirit as you being here today. God gathering together five or 20,000 is just as much the work as God gathering you to this place so that we may feast on such a word that God gives us. But this story isn't just about Jesus preaching, as you know, as a Sunday school child could tell you. Here in the feeding of five or 10 or 20,000, we hear that God isn't just concerned about your spirit, but also about your physical body, about your nourishment, that you have enough to eat. Matthew tells us that when it was evening, that is, when it was time for the crowd to go home, but they didn't have floodlights, well, the disciples were thinking practically, and they suggested to Jesus, who was kind of in charge of this crowd, that he have them go home and maybe get something to eat in the nearby town. This actually seems like a really good idea. People are happy when they eat, uh, and the, the town businesses are, uh, well, they're, they have good business. The economy gets a good bump. Everything is good. But again, we see here that God's will doesn't always look practical to our eyes. And that can be a hard pill to swallow for those of us who like practical solutions. You know that I studied engineering as an undergraduate, and engineering is all about finding good solutions, efficient solutions to problems. And this is kind of fun. It's a fun challenge to uh, find the best solution possible. Uh, and as an engineer, well, you, there's a bit of a thrill in, in uh, being a part of that. And this was the disciples' uh, thrill as well. Here's a great idea, Jesus. Send the crowd home. But this is not what Jesus wants to do. He says to them, no, you feed them. And this was not on their chart of good solutions for, uh, in their engineering uh, uh, chart. But Jesus said, you feed them. This... This can be a hard pill for us to swallow who also like to remain in control. Have you ever been part of a brainstorming session? Usually the rules are, and I learned this uh, as a child, the rules when you're brainstorming are there are no bad ideas, right? They might look bad later when you're trying to enact them, but not while you're trying to be creative. Well, the disciples are not playing by these rules when they're with Jesus. And right away they say, Jesus, that is a crazy idea. We cannot feed this crowd. We only have two fish and five loaves of bread. And this was going to be our supper, by the way, and your supper, by the way. So if you want to eat, send the crowd home. Now you might remember it's the Gospel of John that tells us that the loaves and fish were brought by a boy, but however they came, they were obviously not enough to feed five to 20,000 people. But Jesus says, bring them to me. And he goes forward with this idea. Of course, he is God himself, so Jesus can do whatever he wants. And what he wants, what he says, will happen. And so they bring the loaves and the fish, and Jesus, in front of everyone, he has everyone sit down, so they're all watching him, he gives thanks to God for them. And then he starts to break them and gives the pieces of broken bread and fish to the disciples. They hand them out. And Matthew tells us that everyone ate their fill, those five to 20,000 people, and that there were leftovers, which is always good. 
There were 12 baskets full of bread left over so they could go home with a midnight snack as well. And that's a sign of a good meal. And it was a good meal, and we celebrate that. You've likely heard this story many times before. It's the only miracle of Jesus in all four Gospels besides the resurrection. But what does it have to do with you today? You probably had breakfast before you came. If you didn't, you have breakfast plans after this service. In fact, we'll have, well, not a full breakfast, but a little coffee and perhaps uh, something sweet uh, in between our worship services. Many of us have food, though not all do. What does this story have to do with you, with your worries and your fears? Well, know first of all that God is concerned with your earthly needs. We confess in the creed, as we did during this baptism, I believe in God the Father, almighty creator of heaven and earth. And when we say that, Luther teaches us that we mean God has created not only the earth and all that's around us, but you and me. And not only that, but God provides for us all that we need day to day. This is what we're confessing in the creed. And Luther includes this. He said, God gives us food, clothing, home and family, daily work, and all I need day to day. We pray this also in the Lord's Prayer. We'll pray this later today. When we ask, give us this day our daily bread, Luther says, what is this daily bread? And he answers, it includes everything needed for this life, such as food and clothing, home and property, work and income, a devoted family, an orderly community, good government, favorable weather, peace and health, a good name, true friends and neighbors. That's a big list. But all of this is included in your daily bread. God provides all of this for you. My problem, and perhaps your problem, my sin and likely your sin, is that I don't actually trust God in this word. I don't actually trust that it is true, at least not all the time. My problem is that I want to strive and connive just a little bit to get just a little more, to hide away like the Israelites did with the manna, taking just a little more than they needed for that day so they could be assured they'd have enough for tomorrow. That is our sin. But God provides daily bread not because we deserve it, but out of fatherly mercy. And this is hard for us to accept, this mercy. In fact, we cannot outside of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' actions here, feeding the 5,000, were pure fatherly mercy. It was not the practical solution. They could have easily gone into town, but Jesus was concerned about them. Jesus showed them his love by feeding them not in order to get them to buy something or do something, not in order to get them to listen to his spiel about a timeshare or whatever else it might be, but out of pure love for them, he gave them food and drink without cost. And so it is for you. Yes, I know that you likely pay for what you eat. If you go out to eat this morning, you will pay the bill. And this is good, actually. God does provide all, whether it's the food or the money to pay for the food or all of it. But not only is God concerned with your physical needs, 
God is also concerned with giving you faith to trust his word. And in this way, Christ comes to you for a different need. That is to forgive you, to give you faith, to keep you in the peace that passes all understanding. And now I tell you that God's mercy is not for sale, but it comes to you as freely as the bread and the fish came to the 5,000. Now it is not free in and of itself, nor is it, is it cheap, for at great cost, Jesus gave his life to take away your sins. But this promise is given to you now as you hear these words, and your sins are forgiven free of charge. Now it is a great temptation in this old world to try to find a way to get things for free. And there are many who will try to get you to buy into their theory about how you can get something for free, whether that is by economics or politics or engineering. I can recall one of my thermodynamics professors reminding us that there is no such thing as a perpetual motion machine. As much as uh, some have claimed to invent this, you cannot get motion for free from an engineering perspective, nor heat. Well, you've heard it this way. You've heard it said there is no such thing as a free lunch, at least not by the law, not in this old world. That is true. Now the law does tell us what to do. It does tell us to care for our neighbors, to feed them when they're hungry. But as you know, this all comes at a cost. That is until Jesus Christ. My wife and my sister-in-law are having a uh, a weekend at the cabin uh, for, for a girls' weekend, uh, which means that I am here with our kids, and my brother from Moorhead drove down with his three children, and my mom came as well. So we are in charge of the kids, and so we are feeding six kids <laughs> and three adults this weekend. And I should say they are doing most of the work as I am here. Uh, but I know what it is to feed kids, and I know that you can give them a meal, and about two hours later, they're hungry again for snack. <laughs> and you have to think of another meal. So I know that when Jesus fed these 5,000 people, they were going to be hungry again, at least by the next morning, even with that midnight snack. But God is still concerned that they have enough. Even more now, God is concerned with giving you bread, that when you eat it, you will not be hungry again. And this is the bread of Christ himself. There is no such thing as a free lunch until Jesus Christ, who now gives to you himself freely. So now in Christ, you are freely saved from sin, death, and the devil. In Christ's kingdom, that is the kingdom of heaven, you will pay for nothing. This kingdom is given to you now in the word. It's been given to little Crosby in his baptism. It's been given to you in your baptisms as well. And we get a foretaste of it of this kingdom to come in the Lord's Supper, where Christ is giving himself to you fully and completely without cost. Yes, it is true that God is concerned with your body here and now and that you have daily bread so that you can live another day and continue to hear this word and share this word and this bread with others. But the day is coming that your body will grow tired and die However, God does not just give up on us then. For on the last day, the Holy Spirit will raise you and all the dead to eternal life with Jesus Christ, that is, your spirit and your body. And so he says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy, and eat. 
come where your sins and your fears are taken from you. Amen.